What are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Tyson Popplestone here. What's going on? Hope you're doing well this beautiful Wednesday evening. I'm sitting in my car like a filthy little degenerate in a car park in Hawthorne right now because well, it's been a crazy day, to be honest. Today's been a little bit of a wild one. I left I left home this morning at 5.30 because, look, here in Australia, I don't know if you remember a little while ago from wherever you're from, do you remember when the toilet paper started rushing off the shelves because everyone started panicking that like we're in the middle of a global pandemic and the one thing that people had more concern over than anything else was toilet paper. That's happening in Australia right now, but with passports. We've, uh, Sunrise, which is the local morning TV over here, have just started doing a few news stories to say, hey, uh, if you're traveling, you better go get your passport because things are loaded up. And as a result, I'm pretty sure things this morning were, they were more backlogged than they needed to be. I left home at 522 I got to the city at seven on the dot, car parked, went to the line, and already the line was about 500 meters long. There was, I'm gonna guess, I reckon there was 700 people there at seven o'clock in the morning, which it's probably what I needed to be honest. I was arrogant about the fact that I'd had a really early start to the day, and on the way down, I was already, I was already abusing the people who were lazy getting out of bed, who were gonna get their way after me. I was imagining my response to them when I saw them get to the line. And me say, you know what, you're, you're here way too late. You're going to have to go to the back of the line. You, I wasn't going to abuse them. I felt like that went fake for a moment. So I've got to try and be honest with you guys. But here's the truth. I, I got there and uh, and the reverse of what I thought was going to happen happened to me. I had to go and do a little, just a little cheeky poo. Because I'd had a coffee in the morning. I had a really strong coffee. I got about halfway to Melbourne. And I was like, you know when you start having those little, is it palpitations? It's not a palpitation. What is it when... um. A lady goes into labor. It's a contraction. I started having contractions a little bit. And so it's never good as a male to, to have a contraction, despite what CNN tells you. <laughs> so I, I got halfway there. I got out of the car. I ran. I honestly didn't know. I, I wasn't sure whether I was going to make it or not. I've pooed my pants before as well. I'll tell you that story in a minute. That was when I was 13, a long time ago. It's still embarrassing because 13's too old to to poo your pants but 35 is even worse so I got there <clears throat> did what I had to do went back out and uh, and joined what I thought was the back of the line and some some little wanker lady goes excuse me love that's the uh you're only a quarter of the way through the line there have you just got here I said yes I have I've just got here she goes well you got to go down the stairs turn left take another left walk 200 meters turn right turn left ask for directions get your GPS lady out and you'll almost be at the back of the line she was very accurate that's exactly what happened so Got to the city at 7 in the morning. I was done there at 12, uh, 12.07. Uh, yeah, you heard. It was it was a five-hour round trip just to get this passport. And uh, it's not even my passport, to be fair. It was my little boy's my little boy's first passport. So we deserve grace, though, because we didn't know we were going to America. Because we, uh, we're what they call... We're what we call a dirty civilian at the moment. We haven't, we haven't yet had the jab because we both had COVID and it was the most pussy thing we've ever had no you're not allowed to say that i'm sorry i'm sorry i know it's serious for, for a lot of elderly people but for us it was um i'm gonna be honest sometimes i get sometimes i get hay fever in the morning and, and my hay fever is way worse <laughs> so but you can't say that yet because it triggers a lot of people but that was true for us so we haven't had it yet and as a result we didn't think we were allowed to travel but we do have an exemption and the exemption we just found out we just found out allows us to get into America. So the last week's just been a little bit frantic. So we got that. But then now I'm sitting in a car park. It's currently 5.42 in the evening. I've had to fill in the whole day with, uh, you know, just I've just been trying to find things to do. I was done there at 12. I went to a cafe for a couple of hours. I drank another coffee because like, what else are you going to do in Melbourne? Just got back from a leg set in the gym, tried to make my quads look good. And then I thought, you know what? I'll get my wife some chicken nuggets that she loves on Glenferry Road in Hawthorne. Then I'll come back to the car. So hope you're doing good. I'm sitting in surplus. I look, it's a strange look because I've got people coming past me right now and I haven't got the car on for, for the audio purposes. So the it looks like a scene of Titanic here. Uh, there's My windows are all steamed up. If I was walking past this car, 100%, I would, I would think someone in that car is getting a blowjob. And there are no blowjobs taking place in the car because... Well, I mean, you could you could go a number of directions. Um, there's no one else here. I'm also married. 
I'm not that flexible. Just, but still, the people walking past don't know that because my windows are up and they, they can't hear. So I'm a little self-conscious about what the passers-by are thinking. But you know what I say when it comes to the pop culture podcast? We don't muck around. This is serious. This is about bringing you the, the most important stories of the week. It's weird being back here because I'm, I'm literally in the car park, uh, which is at the base of, of where I used to live. So it's always strange. I've got a gig quite close to here tonight. And I always, it's always harder to drive an hour and a half home when you're sitting in a car park, which literally is a minute walk to your old bedroom. But the country life is what it's all about. We try to take my little boy out there, get some fresh air in his lungs. And, and, I, and honestly, he doesn't even appreciate it right now. Right now, he's, he's not even two, man. He's not even two years old. And yesterday, he threw a chair off his table. And I tried to be stern with him because I'm sick of him throwing shit everywhere. Just everywhere. There's everywhere he throws shit. He's the best little kid, but man, like he, he was a he was being a wanker yesterday, and I say that with nothing but love in my heart. Uh, but he was, he was. There's no other description. And I, I got down. I said, "Hey, no, that's some of the worst behaviour I've ever seen." And he he looked me in the eye. He looked me dead in the eye, right into the pupils, and pissed himself laughing, as if to say, "You're a cockhead, and you have no authority over me." I said, well, you're not getting breakfast in them. Well, good luck making oats, dickhead. Good luck making a bowl of oats with bananas smashed into it. Let's say you do that. You can't even work your stupid hands properly yet, Muppet. Oh, look at me. I can walk. I can laugh at my dad's face because he's trying to discipline me. Get stuffed. No porridge. Enjoy being skinny. Enjoy being a, enjoy being a midget. Cause you, <laughs> that's horrible. I, would never, I love my boy so much. So I'd like to apologize to any, uh, any passionate parents out there. Everything I just said was a lie. Apart from... His reaction to uh, to my discipline. I think I've told you guys before that I used to always look at parents with with kids who misbehaved and be like, "Man, those parents are absolute cockheads." And now now I look at the kids and I go, "You know what? They could be the best parents in the world." It's that I, I think it's universal that that if a kid's misbehaving, not universal, but I'd say ninety eight percent of the time it's the kid's fault. He's been a flog because they don't have words. Is the thing. And if you don't have words, how else are you going to express your emotion? You have to throw shit. <laughs> you have to scream. You have to. My kid headbutts walls, which is which is probably inappropriate. Not, nothing to brag about, that's for sure. But he does it with so much passion. There's no other response to it but to break. I'm um. So I'm right. Next, you might hear a few trains going past tonight. I'm I'm right next to Glen Ferry train station. If you're overseas, you have no idea of these reference points. But but jump on Google and you'll you'll see it. Um. And, and there's a guy. So there's a train, uh, is it a conductor? There's a bloke who works here at the train station. Lovely guy, but definitely on the spectrum. I shouldn't, you don't even really need a, you don't even need to say lovely guy, but he's he's a lovely guy and he's on the spectrum. I'm not saying that it's one, it's one or the other. Though I think sometimes you could make a case that, that it is. I'm not sure. But anyway, this guy's definitely on the spectrum. Lovely guy, every time I come past, he says hello. Um... And it has done for the last three years. Didn't seem to recognise me tonight because I, I just got a zero fade. That's why I'm upset that I'm not doing a, uh, a visual recording of this one today because I've I've got a fresh haircut by my little Asian mate just around the corner here, and uh, I've got a zero fade. I've got the the hair product in. I look honestly, I look fantastic. It is it's such a disappointment that I haven't been able to share what I look like with you. I'll, I should post a photo on Instagram just so you can appreciate it. But I walked past him before and came back to my mind. I walked past him a couple of years ago. So back when I used to live here, he goes, how you doing, mate? You going all right? He speaks like this. How you doing, mate? You going all right? Yeah, yeah. You know those people who answer your question before you've actually, or they answer the question that they've just asked you before. Like there's words sometimes still coming out of my mouth when when he answers the question. So he'll he'll walk past. He'll come up to me and go, hey, mate, how you going? And I'll be about to answer. He goes, yeah, good, good, good. That's good to hear. What, what else is going on? I go, well, look, I know, I know you're trying to, learn the communication game a little bit but the truth truth be told is you've you've got no interest in in how i'm doing which is fine because uh, truth be told I, he's one of those guys i don't really have a, a heap of interest in in how's how's he's going either really that sounds horrible to say but it's just one of those small talk situations but a couple of years ago he um i walked past him and he goes uh how you doing mate it's cold in victoria isn't it and i go it, it is cold in victoria and then he goes, yeah, I, pre- I prefer Sydney because of the... And he started doing this hand gesture. You know the universal hand gesture for, for wanker? Where you sort of... 
how do you explain it? It's like you're, you're holding a sausage horizontally and you just, I don't really know how to explain it. I hope, I hope you understand what I mean. Uh, there's no, there's no way, think of holding a slippery, so no, it doesn't, it doesn't really work either, but the, you just, if you don't know the universal hand gesture for, for wanker, jump on YouTube, because I reckon, I reckon it'll be on there, he goes, I, I like, uh, I like it up in Sydney, because of the, uh, and he did that, and I didn't, he did it with so much confidence, I didn't have him, I didn't have the confidence myself to tell him I had no idea what he's talking about. And he laughed like he was saying something cheeky. And I laughed because I didn't want him to feel alone in the joke. Because I understand what it feels like to to get to a punchline in a joke and, and not have people laugh. So whenever I can contribute to the emotional state of the joke deliverer, I do. And this is one of those moments. But But it's been too long now. And every time he sees me, because I come to this part of town quite regularly, as I walk past him, he just does that hand gesture. And I just, I just do it back. And I just, I can't imagine what it looks like. Because if you're, if you're looking, if you were a, a new witness to whatever this gesture was, and you were walking past the two of us, it looks like he's saying, "I'll give you a hand job," and and I'm saying, "No, I'll give you a hand job." But none of us are speaking. We're just doing this hand job gesture. And because he's on the spectrum, he doesn't realise how ridiculous it looks. And I, I'm not even. I don't think I'm officially on the spectrum, though something's slightly off, I think is fair to say. But I, I do it back just because I, I just don't want him to feel alone in the joke. But you know when you leave something a little bit too long? It's been too long for me to go, mate, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Because it's really, it's been two years. And I don't know, I don't know what we're doing. I, I do not understand the gesture. But he loves it. And so is my little hand job gesture, mate. It's just it's the only place where I do that gesture in public. Um, but yeah, it's a it's inter it's an interesting part of town. As I said, I I went back and, and got my hair cut at my little my little Asian. I think he's South Korean. He, he he speaks like pretend English. You know those ones who speak pretend English. He uh, I went in there. He goes, hello, how are you? How are you? How are you going? You good, good, good. He actually now that I say that out loud, he actually does the same thing. That the train guy does. He just he answers questions. He's got no he's got no interest in how I'm doing. And I, I always feel rude. Because I never know what he's saying. It's one of those ones. He goes, uh, "Hello, how are you? Can I help you? What are you doing? I said, "Oh, mate, I just want a haircut." He goes, "Great to see you again." I was like, "That that doesn't really that's not really what goes there." But the, I can't I can't give this guy shit because he's speaking a second language. I'm not speaking bloody. I'm not speaking Korean. I've got nothing to offer him. So if it wasn't for him, there'd be there'd be only hand signals, which based on what I've just told you with the train conductor duties, is not a good language for me. I don't speak it well. Though I think this guy, my hairdresser, no joke, he's a very gay man, so he would probably appreciate that. He'd take it way out of context. I reckon if I walked in there and did that, he'd pull his pants down straight away and go, Oh, sorry, misunderstand. Me don't know. I didn't know you wanted a haircut. I thought you want tug tug. But, um... Yes, I went in there, and it was just a—it's a funny conversation because he's such a lovely guy, but it's just—you just feel rude when you don't understand. He—he he tried to ask me three times tonight if I, because I got the zero to a one fade, which is very in here in Melbourne at the moment. It's the only haircut that a thirty-five-year-old man is—is is allowed to do, I think. I think. And as I was getting my haircut, he goes, "Do you want—you want a line? You want—you want a—you want a line?" I go, "Do I want a?" Do you want a line? He goes, yeah, you want a line? You want a line? You, do you want a line? Uh, I sort of, I understood. I'm sorry to any Asian listeners. I know you're not supposed to do the Asian accent, especially with the inability that I'm, I'm clearly showing you that I have to, to do an accurate Asian accent. Mine's, it's like a German has married an Indian and had a kid. I think he's the best way to describe it. So I mean no offense to to any country or culture, but but that's what I feel I'm doing. It was just one of those ones where I, I I didn't care if I had a line. I said, "You're the boss." He goes, "I'm the boss. I know I'm the boss. It's my it's my salon." I said, "Oh, okay. Well, I just said whatever. Just do, just you do your thing." And he finished it. And halfway through the conversation, you go, "Oh, you're my friend." And I I thought he was saying, "You're my friend." I said, "Yes, of course. We're always going to be friends." 
Do you know, we're, we're the only friends in the world that, that can't communicate because you clearly don't care what I'm saying and I don't understand what you're saying. He wasn't saying that at all. He was trying to tell me my friend's going to finish it. I'm not sure if I had offended him. I really don't know what had just happened. Maybe I'm socially struggling. Maybe these people are normal and, and I can't communicate. But anyway, uh, his friend did finish the job. And, and gee, as I said, it looks, fa it looks fantastic. They've done a fantastic job. Really happy with it. So that's what's going on in my uh, that's what's going on in my afternoon. I um I, I miss the city a little bit. I miss the city a little bit. I miss the atmosphere this time of the year. It's the middle of football season and, and footy season in Melbourne. It's like it's the first time of the year that people have the opportunity to pretend that Melbournians aren't soft anymore. Because the truth is, we are the I would say in a soft nation, Melbourne is the softest country. Uh, softest city. Actually, I'd go as far as to say Victorians. Uh, no, actually, that's not true. I would say the CBD of Melbourne. If you had a, if you had a, a, a national survey, that could somehow figure out the personality types and the resilience that a group of people had, we would we would rank at the bottom because because all we do is soy latte, shit hats, and like vintage style clothing. I used to love. I think it's an age thing. I think it's an age thing. When you're in your early 20s, I know not everyone goes through this, but I went through a phase where I went through, like, I, I still appreciate good fashion when I see it, but I, I think I appreciate people who, I want to say do their own thing, but I think they're actually just rocking a style of fashion that I don't understand anymore, but or that you don't see much anymore, because everyone here, they just, they wear, what are the what are the hats that people on Peaky Blinders wear? They're, they're cool because... The main character on Peaky Blinders look good, but if you're a 22 year old guy studying at Swinburne University in a philosophy or arts degree, piss off with your stupid hat. You look like a cockhead. You look ridiculous. You're smoking a pipe, dude. You're 22 years old. Put your pipe away. You're not your granddad. <laughs> Do you know. Anyway, what do you? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to say. Like. They got they got a peaky blinder hat. They're smoking a pipe. They go around preaching socialism and telling you why it's a good thing. I just don't. I'm not. Maybe you're right, but I'm so uninterested in what you're saying because you're saying it with this little smug look on your dumb face. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, we we go we go overseas and and for whatever reason, like we we just ramp. Like we'll go to Berlin and realize that there's people there with with way more wank than we can ever muster here. In no offense to to any German listeners, but. You got to admit, in the in the middle of Berlin, there's plenty of wank. You're you're like a bigger version. You're just Melbourne, but with actual real life history. Do you know what I mean? You're not just going around apologising to the people who used to own your land. You actually got like you've got a history of you got a history that's I don't know. I don't know how to explain the European history. It's like when you talk about your history, you're not so interested in the people who used to occupy your land anymore. You're more interested in how old a pub is. And I get that. Like, Australia's not old. Our history is you just murdered everyone who who actually owned this land. And now we're going through a phase where it's like, oh, have we got any interesting pubs? What's what's interesting about Australia? We killed the traditional owners. What? Is there anything else we can talk about? Then you get to German, you've actually got like, hey, this is this pub was built in 12. You're like, 12 what? You're like, no, the year 12. You're like, holy shit, bricks last a long time. And uh, what am I going on about? I don't even know how I got there. Oh, yes, we're such pussies in Melbourne. And then the AFL starts, and there's this weird dichotomy of, of sort of mindset where people go, all right, am I a wanker who studies philosophy or am I a hardcore Australian who loves football? And then we get caught out all the time because on the weekend we had Bailey Smith from the from the Bulldogs, who is traditionally they're from a, a suburb called Footscray. And and no offence to anyone in Footscray, but it's it's Bogan Central. I used to live on Beavers Street there. It's uh, how do you explain Footscray? There's a lot of refugees, and if you're not a refugee, you're just you're a drug addict. I think that's not true. It's getting a little bit um. What's it called when, when all your hipsters move into a particular part of town and the value of that town goes up? Oh, what is that word? I'm not sure. I forgot the word. It's got a word. It's like you, you give it a facelift. Anyway, it'll come to me later. 
it's getting a little bit like that now, but it's still it's still the kind of place you don't want to walk at by your, by yourself at night time. And, and Bulldogs used to be known. They used to be known for being one of the toughest teams in the AFL. There were fist fights where, and AFL used to be like a real man sport where you would go out there and you'd punch the shit out of another man. It was just all it was just all part of it. And everyone was like, yeah, well, it's part of the reason we go to the footy. And it, but we've given up that dream for a long time now because the truth is there's there's not a whole lot of that going anymore. And Bailey Smith got into it with with a I think it was a West was it a West Coast ah Geelong player I think it was Zach Tui and gave him a, gave him a beautiful <laughs> a beautiful headbutt and uh, the media the media have just been losing their shit like oh this is just so unprofessional what a bogan act and it is and it's beautiful I I honestly think in the AFL we need to bring the headbutt back. AFL is better when there's a few headbutts. I hate that AFL is getting far too close to sp- the the sport of netball, which is I'm not sure. I think it's because it's ru- it's become such a corporate sport these days. It's become like it's so corporate, and obviously we all know that corporate is it's just wank central, where the the biggest bunch of cockhead lefties who who've just dyed their hair purple, and despite being married to a woman, have gone on about how they're like they're a cisgendered. Um, confused middle-aged man. I don't know. I don't want to offend anyone, but it's just, isn't it true? Like you go to a, like if you go to Microsoft or you go to, yeah, Microsoft's a great example. Like I think if you work for Microsoft, you, you're guaranteed going to have to identify your pronouns before you meet a new person. I think it's, it's just that kind of scene. And because like it's got its perks, AFL, they've, they've obviously started like the money in the last few years has, has got a lot higher because of the fact that it is corporate now, and it's the corporate money is bringing a lot more, you know, it's bringing a lot more swagger to the game. There's there's a little bit of uh, a little bit of growth because of the advertising, and you know, if you're if you're like a Jeep or a a decent brand, a really good solid chocolate milk brand, you could be a a good advertising, uh, you know, potential advertising partner for for a football team. But the problem with that is no team wants to be a no no corporate team wants to be a associated with the headbutt and so the corporate scene goes oh well, hang on if you're going to start headbutting Zach Tui because you're frustrated that you didn't kick a goal or whatever it was that he said to you we're going to have to pull our sponsorship and so we have to be a lot harder on that that kind of behavior now this is the good thing this is what I like about the Gaelic football I'm not I actually don't know anything about Gaelic football so I shouldn't be speaking about it with any confidence but despite that, I'm going to. This is what I imagine is good about Gaelic football in, in Ireland. I think Irish footballers... Uh, Ireland still has a, a legitimate mountain man kind of mentality. Like, isn't that... Didn't they go and fight wars against Scotland? Or I'm not sure. I don't know my my northern... My un, northern United Kingdom, Ireland, bloody history. I'm sure someone from those countries got in a fight. And they were, they were fighting in the Highlands, surely... So whenever I think of uh, an Irishman, I think of like a Conor McGregor who 100% has been in a fight on a mountainside before. And and so I think I think the Irish have probably got something to teach us. Unless it's gone corporate over there as well. The reason I bring that up as an example, sorry to anyone in any other country but Ireland and Australia, who couldn't give a shit about these sports that I'm mentioning. No one cares about AFL. And I don't even care about Gaelic football, yet here I am speaking about it on my own podcast. Um, but these guys work in banks, I think. Like, they go to work as a banker, and then on the weekend they go out and they don't earn much money at all playing Gaelic football. If you're from Ireland, correct me. I want to be corrected. But as a result, I think you can beat the shit out of another player, and no big corporation is going to tell you off. So... I think we've got to bring back the headbutt is what I'm saying. Bailey Smith, I might be the only man in this state who's supporting you right now. Do it again. Your two-week ban is worth it. You're a good-looking man, all right? I've seen your bloody bonds. Look, bonds aren't going to drop you because of the fact you've headbutted some muppet. Zach Tui, I think he's Irish. I actually think he's Irish. He could take it. He faked the fact that he was hurt because he wanted a free kick. He bloody is Irish. How appropriate is that? You've got some junkie from from Footscray and you've got a bloody Irishman. Let him go. Let him have a headbutt fight. Just in fairness, you've got a bloke with a mullet, Bailey Smith, versus a bloke with a bloody decent forehead. 
he got very he got headbutted quite hard and he just had like a little rosy spot on his head. I would have been unconscious still. This is five days ago. I would still be unconscious with 48 stitches in my head. Zach Tui laughed and they gave each other a cuddle at the end of the match. You could see them apologize to each other. You could see Bailey Smith go, sorry mate, and they had a cuddle. Okay, you can't headbutt any in what other sport can you headbutt someone at the end and go, hey, sorry about the headbutt? Just if you're gonna headbutt, commit. There cannot be any apologies. Bailey Smith, I commend you. Zach Tui. You took it like a champion. AFL, get your act together is what I'm saying. Because the truth is, I, this is the last thing I say. I realise I'm, I'm <laughs> doing some extended time on this headbutt. But um, I've, I've watched the YouTube clips uh, uh, many, many times now. And I liked it. My wife wasn't as impressed. So maybe what I'm saying, uh, you know, it has its flaws. But I've watched the headbutts many times. And... Uh, I just want to say that the subscription revenue, though the corporate scene might not be paying you for your work, they might want to reduce the advertising fees that they're willing to give you. The, the YouTube advertising scene is, I mean, the revenue you're going to get from that is surely nowhere near what Microsoft would give you. But, you know, I mean, it's an avenue you could take. You could bring back the head headbutt and just uh, ramp up the revenue there. But I, I just, I mean, I was, I was very proud. I was very proud to see it. Are there any other sports? Is that is that like a just an Australian thing, or a sports all around the world going a little bit soft? I think sports all around the world are going a bit soft. It's just weird, man. Like, do you, do you feel when you watch this when you watch sport, you just want to watch sport? Like, you don't want to get dragged into more politics and hear about what some full forward or point guard or like quarterback thinks about the world. It's like, LeBron, just shoot a basketball, you cockhead. I, d I don't care what you think. I mean, sure, you can say it, but personally, for, <laughs> for what it's worth, Tyson Popplestone doesn't care. I don't care about your millions of followers who care. Shut up. It's not a valid point in this argument. Just let me have my opinion, LeBron. Just jealous of your beard. But I was so happy because during lockdown, like there was no audience members to be able to voice their opinion. Remember during the Black Lives Matter thing when everyone was taking a knee, which is like, I mean, you, isn't it? It's crazy that you have to even justify this. You can't even, you can't even just come out and say like the, of course, of course, Black Lives Matter. Like it just goes without saying. But to stand against the cause is a very different thing to standing against Black Lives Matter, isn't it? I don't know. You're not allowed to say that anymore. It's like saying COVID's not dangerous. Well, because that's yeah, a lie. If you're 82 and you've got a chest cold, it'll probably kill you. <laughs> but I mean, as a 35-year-old dude who's fit, mentally, physically, emotionally, I didn't even sneeze once when I had COVID. That's not true. I was actually, I took it like a bitch for a day. I was, one day though. One day I was a bitch. The next day I was the king. All right, four days. Four days I was the king. I wasn't, I wasn't the king straight away. But uh, it's been nice just to see some of the responses to to sold out audiences. Did you see? I think it was the, I think it was the English football team, English soccer team. Was it a charity match in Hungary in front of like a stadium filled with kids, and they they took a knee for Black Lives Matter, which to be honest is very twenty twenty or very twenty twenty one when there was no crowds in the audience. And it, I mean, it looks. I, I'm not sure if people are just that disconnected or if it's that corporate thing again. Like the corporate scene goes, hey, you know what? You know it'd be really good. If you take a knee, because people people will love it, like they'll respect you for it. Anyway, thirty five thousand kids just booed harder than I've ever heard thirty five thousand kids boo before. So it was quite a it was quite a beautiful scene. It was quite a beautiful thing to witness. I was uh, I was very very happy, but but that's just me. That's just me. I just uh, I think it's nice to have stadiums filled with people just to balance out the argument a little bit. I mean, it's like yeah, you're free to take a knee, like go for it, but the audience should be free to respond in the way that they choose to respond. And I, I'm not sure, was it the president of the, the English football team came out and was like, I have no idea what they were so upset about. It's like, hey, cock it, tune in to like a little bit of the other side of politics. I know all sports been taken over by the left, but just take a minute to hear about the 35,000 kids who think your team are a bunch of cockheads. I'll be interested to see if they do that again. It'll take, I'll actually... I'll be really, uh, I'll be really impressed. I'll be, I'll be really, really impressed if they do it again. I'll actually be inspired because it's, uh, I mean, talk about just believing in a cause. If you can get back after that criticism and do it all over again, well, credit to you. In fact, maybe I'll do it before my next comedy gig. If you guys do it again, I'm going to do that before every comedy gig. <laughs> That's my new rule. Oh, gee. 
Yeah. Anyway, so that just made me laugh. But I guess the truth is they're they're still making money off the revenue that um they're still making money off the revenue from me tuning into that ad, aren't they? But that's just the way the cookie crumbles. You're gonna uh you're gonna have to you're gonna have to make your money somewhere. Bummer is like these these teams are getting it both on YouTube from Muppets like me who tune in and also from the corporate scene. So jokes on me, <laughs> I'm a dickhead. Oh did you um did you see the uh I don't know if this is trending globally, but there was there was some chick on the weekend here in Australia. I think she was Where's the Paci- I was about to ask you where the Pacific Ocean is. That's the that's the east coast, isn't it? Because it's the Atlantic Ocean on the on the west coast. I think that's right. I don't judge me. I don't I don't know my oceans super well. Mate, if that dog keeps barking and mucks up this audio, there's a there's a little Labrador out there. Walking around like he's got no problems in the world. Mate, there's trying to, there's a mate, there's a bloke in his car. Looks like a sex scene from bloody Titanic trying to record a podcast. <laughs> Keep walking, mate. I got the windows up. No one heard me. I was just trying to, I was trying to sound really impressive to you. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, there was this chick, and and she's the kind of chick that you would imagine as well. She she had the full blown dreadlocks. She uh she actually looked like she might have had a bit of a history in drugs. You know that. You know that I come from a drug background kind of a look. I don't, I don't know exactly how to explain it. It's just like a, I think it's a slightly weathered look. She's got that I'm a I'm a I'm a marathon runner and I have been for the last fifteen years. Look about it. The skin's a little bit leathery. The eyes are maybe a little bit deeper. I'm not sure the the jawline's very pronounced. But nonetheless, she's uh. She's combined. She's combined a very 2022 act with a 2022. I said that right. She's combined a very 2022 act with a very hospitals aren't around act just yet. When she recorded live on Instagram, uh, her giving birth to her, her child in the Pacific Ocean. Now, uh, uh, from what I could tell, there was no doctors around. It was just her husband on the live stream. Now, granted, she's uh, women who do this. Now, I know a few. My my wife's friends, Alex. She uh she had a home birth uh in a in a swimming pool in her lounge room, which I think is fantastic if you could do it. But this chick's just gone all out and she's gone, you know what, this will get a few likes. What I'll do, I'll just I'll just go down to the beach and, and just give birth like this. Which is funny. Like the reaction that we have to a birth scene like that is interesting because it's the it's the most natural thing in the world, but in such a highly medicated COVID's gonna kill everyone, get the vaccine, or you're a cockhead. <laughs> kind of society that we live in. Doctors are freaking out, going, this is not how you should give birth. You should give birth in, you know, a very sterile environment with all this anesthetic and uh, jogs, uh, doctors with latex gloves and very bright light shining right on your punani uh, because that's what a baby wants. <laughs> but it kind of makes sense. Now, the truth is, if my wife said to me, babe, I want to get dreadlocks and go down to the beach uh, to give birth to our next child, I'd go, first of all, sweetie, I've got a weak stomach. I don't really want to be... I don't want to be up there yet. I don't want to see what's coming out. It's got nothing to do with... You know that joke how people say, no, it's like seeing your your favourite pub bird down. It's not that, because truth is, I don't get to go to my favourite pub very much anymore. It's out of action. You know what I mean? It's closed for... It's not renovation, but it's just got other priorities at the moment. It's like a pub in the summer, but at the moment it's winter, and it's closed... Uh, it's like an Airbnb. You can sometimes have guests there. Not guests as in other people can use it. I'm just... This is a poor analogy. What I'm trying to say is when your wife's pregnant, you don't get to have sex as, as much as as what you'd like. You, you sometimes get to see it. I'm not the biggest fan of pregnancy sex anyway. I think I've told you guys this before. It doesn't do much for me. It's just... I always say it's like having sex with Billy Brownless, <laughs> you know, which is horrible because my wife's got, she's like a gorgeous, she's like a gorgeous Billy Brownless. I'm sorry, Billy, if you're listening, you're a gorgeous man, you're a great man, but you've got a pot belly and every time I see my wife, I think of you and it just like, I don't want to, I don't want to insult you, but what I'm saying is there's never been a time where I've seen you and thought I'd love to have sex right now. <laughs> if you don't know Billy Brownless, Google him. If you feel horny, see a doctor. Billy, I love you though. I was actually, um, anyway, yeah, I just wanted to tell you about this chick. This chick, I'll go back to Billy Brownless in a minute. Well, I'll tell you about Billy Brownless now. Billy Brownless, I was on a, uh, in 2015, I was I was trying to raise money to, to go and climb Mount Everest in 2016. I raised enough money to go away for 
I had to go on a trial phase. I had to go on a trial climb for a month in the Himalayas where I didn't quite qualify. Food poisoning got me. I bloody spent all my money on the qualification process, all the money on the gear, just trying to get my way through there. And then, uh, long story short, was I didn't qualify and I had to raise another 100 grand. But at the time, there was a big football show here. It was called The Footy Show. Um... And Billy Brownless worked on there, and and ever since that night, I had to go. I was I was up on stage. Uh, what did I have to do? Because there was footage of one of the guys who used to be a panel member, and he he did his ACL back in like the early nineties, I want to say the mid nineties, and it has they had videos of him crying and getting carried off off the field. And the footy guys, the footy show, they used to always tease him about it just at funny moments and say, "Hey, look at Gary, what a pussy." When it's really a very painful thing. So I said, trying to raise money, hey, get me on the footy show, accept me on there, I'll take Gary's lowest point, him crying on the stretcher, getting carried off the ground, uh, his lowest point to the world's highest point. And they loved it, the marketing team said, hey, we love you, Tyce, you're a hero, come on board. And uh, and I met Billy for the first time there. That was the first time I noticed, I thought, Billy Brownless, you have a wonderfully sized stomach. I went up, I shook his hand, and my arm only just reached his arm, because his stomach's poked out that... And he's not afraid of talking about it. It's not like I'm insulting him or or awakening him to something he wasn't aware was a problem. He's he's well aware that it's there. He constantly talks about frothies and beers. and uh, I'm not teasing him. But it's him that I see in my wife's eyes whenever we have pregnancy sex. And so that one's on me. But credit to this chick. Credit to this chick who gave birth in a... In the ocean, I had a. My wife had to have a C-section because our, our our boy was breech, and uh, if you don't know that, it means his head's up where his feet should be, so he's coming out the wrong way. Apparently, it can be quite dangerous. I'm not sure though. Who do you trust these days? Is what I'm asking. Is it dangerous? How do they used to give birth to these kids? Tyus, they used to die. Oh shit! I'm sorry. I had no idea. Google that story though. Check out. Uh, there might even be a video of it. If you if you're into that kind of stuff, I um so before Jesse had her C-section, I spoke to a uh, I spoke to a friend of mine from the running scene whose wife also had to have a C-section. I said, mate, like how, how did you go in the room? Because obviously it, it appears very gruesome. Doesn't seem to be something that I'd be interested in looking at. In fact, I'm a hundred percent certain there are a million other things I would rather look at than my my wife's cut open stomach. I honestly, I'm not even kidding. I feel like I could vomit right now just talking about it. He goes, because the reason I'm going to vomit, oh, actually, I actually feel a bit sick. But I spoke to this guy, I go, mate, how did you, how did you go watching it? He goes, dude, it's just like watching someone make a sandwich. I've, I have no idea where this guy gets his sandwiches made, but it must be a disaster to watch. It must be an absolute disaster. Because guts is going everywhere. You, I'm pretty sure you can see an ovary. <laughs> like it's got nothing in common with any sandwich I've ever ever made. But when he told me that, I hadn't seen a C-section. And so I was like, 100% I could watch someone make a sandwich. And so I thought, well, just to be on the safe side, what I'll do, I'll jump on YouTube. And I'll just, I'll just YouTube C-section. I'll YouTube a C-section. I thought, if it's just like watching a sandwich get made, that actually... It actually sounds quite pleasing. Maybe it's something I'll enjoy. I I got about a minute and a half into a 17-minute video. There, there was absolutely no correlation between sandwich making and watching your wife's guts get cut open literally with a massive knife. There's no, there's no correlation. The worst part was the the doctors they they had uh, they had those clear clear goggles on not goggles they had those clear uh, like doctor sunglasses they're, they're clear so that your wife's <laughs> vagina juice doesn't splash up splash up into their eyes as they're bloody taking out a human baby from your wife's cut open guts and the lights were so bright I could see my wife's open guts in the reflection of of their glasses and it was I just they kept looking at me going, we're almost there. And I could not make eye contact with them. But towards the end, I had to stop. Because I'm pretty sure I saw a rib. I saw my wife's heart, I think. I think I saw my wife's bloody heart beating through the reflection of the goggles in the lady who's doing a C-section on my wife. I just... 
But then natural birth doesn't seem that much better. I read through the documentation. So my wife's doing what's called a V-back now. She wants to go back and have a, a vaginal birth after having a C-section. Now, the, you got to go in. you got to make sure that the scar tissue's healed. you got to make sure. You don't want a baby flying out the scar of, of your old C-section uh, if you're hoping it comes out of the vagina because it's just it's a nasty surprise to everyone involved. But as a result, uh, of, of wanting to see this bloody uh, of wanting to go back and do a natural birth you have to go through all this documentation because it's not easy like you guys I genuinely between you and I I can say this with confidence because my wife couldn't give a shit about this podcast and never listened to one episode despite telling me she will uh, I get scared for it I sometimes you know, do you ever wake up at like 2am and you just think about stuff that doesn't worry you during the day but at night time you start getting nervous I think about my wife like I, I start overthinking like alright a human there's a human growing in there. It's gonna flip around. It's gonna, and she has to push it out of her bloody vagina. And I, I just, I get panicky. I start going, "Oh shit! How's this gonna go? That's not gonna work. <laughs> what a terrible design! Seriously, what a terrible design! I hope, I just hope it's easy for her, but." But part of the documentation we got sent the other day, I heard my wife going in the kitchen. She was like dry reaching. She was like, oh, shit. I just could hear her going, oh, shit. Oh, shit, babe, read this. I go, what's it about? I just don't want to hear anything that's gruesome. She goes, it's not gruesome. She goes, read this. Anyway, it said, uh, if there's not enough room for your baby to come out of your vagina, with scissors, we will cut the skin between your vagina and your asshole, but it will be numb, so don't worry. But the idea, can you like the idea? I'm I'm bloody squirming in my seat right now. The idea that that skin—it's not your gooch, but it's like that—it's that little flappy bit of skin between your gooch and your asshole. If anyone tried to approach us with any blade of any sort, in any other circumstance but pregnancy, you'd you'd report them. You'd have to take them to the. You'd take them to a police officer and go, "This guy just tried to cut my gooch off." And the police officer would go, how did you get in a position where that was even a realistic possibility for this man? Was like, I was doing yoga, my pants split, and he just snuck up and bang. He tried to do it, but I had reflexes because I've been doing reformer Pilates as well and didn't quite get it because I've been doing my pelvic floor girdles. His hand got stuck in my ass and it dislocated his fingers. He dropped his scissors and, and I was fine. So that's what I've got to look forward to. Like I, I, feel, I do feel a little bit selfish about the fact that my wife has to push a baby out of her, out of her, I was going to say little tiny vagina, but I feel like that's quite graphic and too much information. She'd be frustrated at me for saying it, so I won't say it. Her normal size vagina. We don't even really need to get into sizes, do we? Like, <laughs> you don't even need to get into sizes. It's just right. No. <laughs> just right. Anyway. Why do I do this? Every week I get myself in a pickle. Every now and then you catch yourself going down the dangerous terrain of talking about your wife's vagina and you think, ooh, shouldn't be going down this little, this little street. And then here you are, down the street for the first time in a long time. You're wondering, how are we going to back out of this? And you gradually just work your way out of it. And apologise to your listeners that have taken them there again, but I appreciate you being here. I appreciate it. Gee, it looks like a wild sex scene taking place in my car. It looks like there is a full-blown threesome that's been going on for 45 minutes. Right now, if if you didn't think I was if you didn't think I was uh, having sex in this car half an hour ago, now it looks almost. If I was a betting man. If I was a betting man, I would bet good money that, that sex was happening in this car. Which isn't as good as you think. I tried to do it once. Early days of marriage. I think we'd been married for about... We must have been married for a, a year and a half. And we were driving home from Gippsland. And I said, hey, babe, how about we pull over and we tick off the old bucket list sex in the car. And just is like, babe, how often do I have to tell you not to approach me? I'm not... You're a microwave, I'm an oven. You can't just be coming at me with, hey, let's do sex in the car and expect me to be interested. You gotta woo me. You gotta you gotta win me over. You gotta tell me I'm pretty. 
And so I did that, and uh, long story short, we pulled off to the side of the road. We gave it a crack. Halfway through, she's pissing herself laughing because we're in the passenger seat, the passenger seat's back, and all she could see was my little white ass going up and down in the in the rear view mirror on her side of the car. She goes, babe, I can't do it. You just look ridiculous. you got the whitest ass I've ever seen. I say, is it sexy? She goes, not at all. There's nothing sexy about it. She goes, all I can see, like it's, it's literally the only thing I can see. Just pull your pants up and finish yourself up. I said, you're a disgrace. Anyway, I said, you're a disgrace, you freak. All I had to tell you was your eyes were pretty. And you said, oh, pull over. Yeah, let's do it in the passenger seat of the car, you big, dirty freak. <laughs> she, she didn't say that, but overrated. Have you ever tried it? Because you think as a teenager, you think, oh, sex in the car would be good. And that song, Little Diddy, about Jack and Diane. Two American kids growing up in the heartland. Uh, sorry, I thought the lyrics were going to be different. Jack, you going to be a football star? Oh, yeah. Uh, Debbie Tump backseat of Jackie's car. Yeah, technically, though, backseat. He might have had a bigger car as well. We, uh, what did we have? We had a, a Nissan Pulsar at the time. Not known for its economy of... Not known for its room. We're actually, we're about to sell it because... Two kids aren't going to fit, so who make who thought it was a good idea to try and uh, make sweet, sweet love in the passenger seat of this very tiny car? If you're a midget, it could work, but we're not midgets. Despite having a tiny penis. <laughs> anyway, so um, I I have no idea how we got there. I don't I don't a hundred percent know. It's a, it's a weird, weird time that we're living in. You know, it's, you know it's a weird, weird time that we're living in because I've realized all of the knowledge that I have from around the world comes off Instagram and TikTok. If you're learning about a war via TikTok, you're not getting your information from the right source. Like if you're learning about a war from 15-second funny videos, you're, you're learning about the war from a wrong spot. If a war video makes you piss yourself laughing, maybe you're not getting an accurate representation on what's taking place in that war. Or it's a tickle war. And I'm not convinced that what's happening in the Ukraine at the moment is a tickle war. It looks far more serious. Despite having very dark, dark memories of being a young kid, being pinned to the ground by my father. This sounds like a rape scene. It's not. It's a tickle scene, you freak. just felt like I had to justify that because so many people are like, Oh my gosh, what happened to you, Tyus? Talk to us about it. We want to know. We're here for you. What? Is that your father? He tickled me. He tickled me. And that tickle war, it felt like death at the time. Because when you're a kid, this is the thing. I used to look at my dad and how fast he could run when I was five. I was like, gee, dad, you're so fast at running. Uh, no, I had midget legs. My four legs came up to his knee. His muscles had fully developed. So the power that he's generating off the ground was far superior to mine. So he would sprint down the beach like some big wanker hero. And I would look at him at the time and be like, oh, wow, he's my hero. He could be any man in the world. Then you get to 20, your legs are the same size, you realize, oh, this, this is a, he's a little, he's a little gay boy. <laughs> he actually was quite fast. Not as fast as my uncle. Apparently, my uncle Mark was the fastest runner over 20 meters in the world, I'm going to say. My dad doesn't throw out compliments towards family members very easily, but the one thing he will say is, Mark Popplestone, he could beat Usain Bolt over 20 meters, but at a 30 meter mark, he got a stitch. <laughs> which is it's just unfortunate like why why was the 100 meters the event that that gained the the reputation like if if the 20 meter sprint was an olympic event back in 1996 my uncle mark would have been not only the world record holder but olympic champion a multi-millionaire and changed the stereotype that white men can't beat black men in a sprint people go oh what about the 2021 Tokyo Olympics where the Italian man were. his dad's black alright he didn't break this stereotype at all stop getting yourself excited if you're white your best option is minimum 400 metres because the 20 metre sprint's not coming into action or start identifying as a woman and jump across to women's sports mind you the Chinese drug bloody mules from the late 80s have made it very difficult to even break their world records the fact that my personal best from uh, 1500 metres is only one second faster than the women's world record for 1500 metres is, is highly insulting. I think we're going to see that go down the next couple of years. With things changing where men can now compete in women's sports, I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that we're going to see women's world records tumble. 
In fact, I reckon we might even see women's world records at this rate. I've got a feeling maybe we could see women's world records tumble to almost the same same speed as men's world records. No idea why. Not making any comments on that. Just an observation. Now, I think it's beautiful for all you haters out there. For all you people going, why can't a man compete in a woman's sport? I say they should be allowed to. They should be allowed to. Especially fighting sports. Because I think here in Victoria, we used to be very interested in, in violence against women. But now that there's no such thing as gender, violence against women is no longer a thing. So the fantastic news with that is that violence against women has dropped to 0%. You have to... You have to... Like, you have to draw a line somewhere, don't you? You have to say, well... Surely violence against women is a problem. But then they say, no, there's no such thing as gender. You go, wait. So is there violence against women? They say, yes. You go, I'm so confused. They're like, that's because you're a bigot. I don't even know what a bigot is. I don't identify as that. They go, you don't even need to identify it as you're just a bigot. I was like, what is it? A big ot. What is an ot? And why am I so big? Anyway. I'm going to go, uh, after this, I'm going to get a little bit of because Vietnamese is my uh, my favourite cuisine. It's my favourite cuisine in the world, actually. I um, <clears throat> It's the only restaurant you can go to and not be ashamed of the fact you're slurping loudly. That's, that's the best thing about eating at an Asian restaurant, I think. You can go to that restaurant and you can slurp your little, slurp your little mouth off and people just go, oh, it's an efficient way to eat food. I used to get annoyed at Asian people for slurping. Now I go to their restaurant and just lose all my manners. Because that was the problem. I used to, I was raised at a table where if you slurped, my mum would go, go to your room. And if an Asian didn't slurp, they're like, why are you so ineffective with the way you're getting those noodles in your mouth? You're acting like a muppet. <laughs> so I go there and just, I just slurp my little ass off. They're like, Tosh, you're eating barn meat. It's a bread roll. You don't need to slurp. I go, let me enjoy. Let me lash out for five minutes of my life. Let me just have a barn me and slurp. But do you slurp when you eat toast? I go, don't stop it with all your questions. No one likes a smart ass. No one likes a smart ass. It's uh, so I don't know why I repeated that twice. It's funny. I was thinking the other day about the first time I, uh, the first time I ever tried marijuana. It's true about the 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 munchies, huh? Because I've only ever tried it. I've tried it three or four times, but one proper time where I got, I got absolutely stoned off my little man tits. I was I was so stoned. What freaked me out was growing up, I was really scared to try drugs because mum used to always say to me, hey, Tice, don't do drugs because haven't you heard about the story? Have you heard about the story of the guy who he, I think he tried acid in fairness, but mum said he tried drugs, something in his brain clicked, and now for the rest of his life, he's become convinced that he's just a piece of fruit. I was like, holy shit, mum, what do you mean? She goes, well, in his head, he may as well just be an apple. I go, what? So he thinks he's sitting in a fruit bowl. She goes, yep. And I started getting stoned. And like little side effect that you'd know about with, with marijuana is you start to get paranoid. And I started to think about this story as I was getting more and more stoned. And I thought, oh, shit. I actually think I can recognize how that guy thought he was an apple. And the more panicked I got, the more I started to believe it. I was like, shit, am I going to think I'm an apple for the rest of my life? Then about half an hour after these thoughts started taking over my mind, the mate that I was smoking weed with started getting started getting the munchies himself and started talking about how hungry he was. And he's like, mate, I'm so hungry. I thought he was trying to gradually warn me about the fact he was going to try and eat me because he thought I was now an apple. And I was like, oh, shit, it's true, I am an apple. Then I was like, no, nah, he's a big fat guy. He's not going to try and eat me. <laughs> he would need an apple. And I was like, shit, what if he thinks I'm a toffee apple? <laughs> so It makes it hard to relax when you're in a situation like that. Especially when the person's having a sleepover. We went inside and I was just trying to calm myself down. I was like, Tyce, he's not going to eat you. He's like, gee, I'm thirsty. I like, what would you like to drink? He's like, I wouldn't mind an apple juice. I was like, fuck, he's trying to put me in the Nutribullet. <laughs> so I think that's part of the reason it was the last time I tried marijuana. Because I, I think I'm a little bit jumpy. I reckon if you put me in the, in the... Like, if I was a caveman, you put me in fight or flight, I think I'd be very good at it. Because my reaction time is incredible. I think I'm the kind of guy, I probably, I'm not an anxious guy at all, but I'm, I'm very quick to react. So if someone says something, I'm, I'm bang, I'm gone, I've made a move. Do you know what I mean? If someone comes around a corner too fast, I'm bang, I'm gone. It's just that I think I would have, I think that's the reason that I'm here today. Because truth is, your and mine, both yours and mine, 
your family, your ancestors must have been good in that department because otherwise the gene wouldn't have passed on. You wouldn't have been here. So there's a reason that your reaction time's fast, and mine is uh, mine is very fast. So I think when you smoke marijuana, that gets magnified, and uh, because I I became very placid, but my mind was racing. So it was like that energy level of my mind was still there, but I didn't have the reaction time to move. So it was just like, all right, if a tiger came out right now, he would he would eat me. So the fact that my mate thought I was a toffee apple was terrifying because I was like, if he try, it'd be a slow motion runaway race. If he tried to eat me, he he would. He would eat me without any dramas. Anyway, just a little lesson 101 in drugs. I don't think, I don't know, actually. Don't take this as gospel. Not that anyone takes gospel as gospel in 2022. Am I right? <laughs> but, um, but I think it's, I think it's very rare that you do a drug and think you're an apple. I definitely don't think I'm an apple now. I'm, I'm well and truly recovered from that. And it was a very temporary thing. I woke up in the morning. I was like, oh, thank God. I don't I don't think I'm an apple. I looked in the mirror. I didn't look like an apple. Um, I'd recovered. But I did, I did get very nervous about the fact that maybe that stone, that stone state would, would never leave. I, it, I was like that with drugs as well, though. I'm, uh, sorry, with alcohol. I remember when I first started drinking, I was like, shit, what if I'm the first man in the world who gets drunk and never goes back to normal and just starts walking around town like a little, like I'm just a drunk boat. Like it's funny for an hour. But then if you're at the Christmas Christmas lunch and you're looking at your cousin and you're a little bit drunk, so your judgment's off, you think, like, you know what, I reckon I'm half a chance. It gets awkward. Like, you can manage that kind of energy level if you're out with friends for a night, for an hour. You get tired, don't kiss her at your cousin. If you've got that uh, just lingering for 10 years, eventually you go, you know what, I'm just going to have a crack. She's gorgeous. Let me give you a massage. We'll just see where it leads. <laughs> Yeah, so I was very relieved to come out of that drunk state as well. Also, I was an only child, and I was—I was—I think I was a little too caught up on what Mum thought about me, especially because I was a—I uh, was a distant runner. So I remember first couple of times getting drunk, and uh, I, I would run across to the. This says too much about me. I would run across to the the, the nightclub, which was about a kilometre from our house. I would get shit faced with my friends, and then I would run home and pretend I'm sober. Mum's like, "Did you have a good night?" And looking back, I could see I could see in her eyes he knew I was shit faced. But uh, I was trying to cover it up. I would stumble through the kitchen. <laughs> I would fall over the fruit bowl, bang my head on the bench. She's like, you okay, love? Because I, I think she knew that I didn't want her to know that I was drunk. So she just went along with it. Mum was good like that. Mum was good like that. I remember when I was about, I must have been about 17. I was in year 11. And I just discovered, I just discovered porn on the internet. But yeah, um, which is nothing to brag about. Like I'm not, I don't look at it anymore. But back in the day, back in the day when I was 17, I had testosterone running wild. So I would, I would log onto our computer where, like, the dial-up when, whenever she wasn't home, and I'd just have a little sneak peek. And then something happened. I'm not sure what happened, but some virus overtook, overtook our computer, and there was just two massive tits as our wallpaper for the next six months. And uh, I didn't, I didn't know how to explain it to Mum. She's, uh, she's like, Tyson, are you able to remove this wallpaper? I go, Mum. Look, you've caught me. I've just discovered porn. A virus has taken over a computer. <laughs> so, every time we log on, we're just going to have to look at this chick's tits until we get a new computer or figure out what this software was. Mum's like, Tyus, it's all right. We'll deal with it. It was awkward when we had family around for dinner, though, and I wanted to show them something on the computer because you'd forget. You'd get used to it, just me and Mum. We'd get used to seeing a couple of big old tits on the computer screen and think nothing of it. Then we'd have the family. Nan would come around for a bite to eat. We'd turn on the computer because I wanted to show something on mine's, MySpace. There'd just be two massive tits on the desktop of the computer because, um, because you don't know how to change it. And, you know, like they've seen it. This is what you realise as you get over it. They've seen it all before. But it's just it's not it's just the conversation. It's the awkward energy level that comes about when you're uh when you have to sit there and look at a couple of you know yeah, quite quite large breasts with your grandma. What do you talk about? Oh hey. Remind you of when you were younger, grandma, hey? I bet yours don't look like that now, am I right? Anyway. There's some wild stories. I remember uh also, I think I told you this before. Like, I wasn't a, a massive thief, but I went through a... It was like a competition phase with my friends where I, I would go and we'd just see how many different things we could steal. Like, we'd go... Just small things. Sorry, I need to cl clarify that. I think I've told you before. So we'd go into a petrol station and be like, hey, I sold three packets of Chewy. 
But then I remember one day uh, I I went into a porn shop in South Australia. I was by myself. I'm not sure why. I was very curious. And I, I bloody I'm I'm definitely not proud of this. Like I hope I've cocked this karma. But I stole a I stole a porn magazine. It was very uh, it was very graphic. And I thought it'd be funny just to go home and show my friends. Anyway, I left it in the boot of my car. One day I had a flat tire. My granddad came around. He said, "I'll I'll repair it for you." And uh, two hours later, he, he he pulled me aside. He goes, "Toss, come into the kitchen. I want to have a chat to you." I go, "What is it, Grandpa?" He goes, "I found something in your uh, in your boot." I go, "What what was it?" He goes, "There's a porn magazine." And I was like, "Oh shit! Oh, Granddad, like what do I what do I do?" He goes, "Just don't tell your mother." <laughs> yeah, he was like, "Enjoy." I was like, "Oh, that's not what I was expecting." Anyway, there's a bloke doing a reverse park right next to my car. Hundred percent, he's gonna hit me. Hundred. Very well done. He didn't hit me at all. Hey, ladies and gents, my fur ball is my fur ball. My my fur bowl. My bowl of fur. I'm gonna say, is it fur? Foe? Doesn't matter. Get over it. He's calling my name, so I'm gonna love you guys and leave you. Thanks for tuning in to Pop Culture for another week. As I said, sorry, this is just a uh, an audio version. If you uh, wanted to tune into the uh, to the video on YouTube. Hey, if you're a fan, jump over to YouTube, all right? Jump over to YouTube. Hit subscribe on Tyson Popplestone channel. I'm gradually going to try and build it up. But um, but for now, audio is uh, is all you get. Hey, much love to you. Thanks again for being here. Uh, wish me luck for my comedy tonight. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Cheers. And I'll, uh, I'll see you all again next week. Hey, coming at you from uh, USA, all going well. Little American version of Pop Culture Podcast. Ooh, fancy. See you, guys.